Welcome to the London Horror Movie Club, a cozy corner of the podcast world where we talk about the wild, weird, and wonderful horror films set in England's historic and eerie capital. I'm your host, Lauren Jane Barnett. Welcome back, everyone. It's December, and Chris and I have a London horror classic for you this month. We watched the 1957 Night of the Demon, or Curse of the Demon, in the U.S. Dana Andrews plays a parapsychologist, Dr. John Holden, who comes to London for a conference and winds up investigating the death of a colleague who was looking into a, quote, devil cult led by the mysterious Julian Carswell. Chris, this is the first time you've seen it, so I'm very excited to ask, what did you think? Oh, I have lots of thoughts. Uh, it rains both sides. Um, well, it's good to see you. Good to talk to you. But yes, I. so you took me out of my comfort zone on this. I do not sit down and watch movies from the 50s. I don't, it's, I mean, It's a Wonderful Life might be the only black and white that I pick out to go watch, you know, around Christmas time. But I was able to sit down and, and I, I downloaded the movie, watched it on the big screen and was really shocked at how much I liked it. It's, you know, it has all the 50s things that, that kind of turn me off with movies. So you have, oh gosh, now I'm going to, Carson, Dr. Carlson. Carswell, Carswell. Carswell, sorry. I'm so bad with Oh, names. don't worry. But he's an Irish actor. Then Joanna, she's from Wales. But everyone just sounds like they're the wealthy part of Connecticut and Massachusetts. <laughs> so every it's just that acting of that day. So it doesn't have that same vibe of how people talk, right? And then you have... Uh, Dr. Holden, who has that, is kind of like the poor man's Humphrey Bogart. I mean, he might have been a great actor back in the day. I'm not, I don't know if I've seen him before. So, like, there were those things. But then, man, like, the story we've kind of seen, right? So, like, you've seen it with Final Destinations where you know something's coming. But I really just enjoyed it. Like, it was really good. Like, Skeptic comes to London. He's the know-it-all. He's coming here. He's been working kind of transatlantic with uh, telegrams or whatever. And obviously, he's never seen this doctor before. He didn't know what Dr. Carswell looked like or of him. He just was like, oh, yeah, we've been working together. But yeah, it was great. I mean, they the demon in the beginning, they, they do show the demon. I, and I guess as I was like looking up the movie more, there was a big pull between two directors where one did not want to show the demon in the movie at all. And the next director was like, no, we've got to put him in there. And it was good. I mean, for like 1957, it was it was awesome. Um, I'm glad you recommended the movie. It was great. I'm so glad that the the demon was one of the things I wanted to make sure we talked about, because I think the demon kind of holds up. Like, don't get me wrong. CGI is way better, but it is a scary demon. It's creepy to me. What do you think? You know, it definitely holds up. I mean, I. It's hard anytime you show a monster in a monster movie because yeah. even with CGI today, you're like, oh, that's lame. Or your your mind can almost do more than what they can do because they're they're now saying this is what it is in black and white, right? Like, this is what it is on screen. Where like if you're thinking about it like a Baba Duke story, where it's just like you're almost kind of imagining what it is, you can do way worse. No, it was great. I, I actually, I mean, especially for the time frame that the movie was shot in, I was actually watching, when I'm watching the movie, I was thinking, wow, they could almost remake this movie. And I'd be interested to see on what they could do now. I mean, just with CGI. But yeah, I thought it was great. And I like the parallel to talking about how there was a Persian demon 
um, and they had drawings. There's the Egyptian, you know, we're talking about this demon and how it's gone through generations and and different civilizations, and it kind of looks the same. So then when you see the demon, you're like, oh, that's what it is. I mean, you knew what it was. Like, you can kind of piece those together. So the CGI and other things, like when they're, when the, uh, I guess, there's no spoilers for a 1957 movie. Like <laughs> no. I recommend anyone that's watching or listening to this, go watch the movie. Like I was shocked at how much I enjoyed the movie. But like you see like the paper, the parchment that causes everything. And you can see it just like floating on the string. Like, <laughs> the yeah. But then when they did the, the demon, he, he was, it was, um, it was great. Like it was like kind of see-through until it got closer than it was this demon. And then the last you know, I'm a big kill scene person. We talked about that in the, in the first podcast. The kill scene at the end for a 1950s movie was phenomenal. He's like, got the demons got him in the air. He's flinging him around, throws him back down. I was like, this is fantastic. Everything yeah. I want in the movie. I do like the moments where you don't quite see the demon better. I'm like that kind of psychological yeah. horror person. But I agree, they did a really good job. I think, though, my favorite of the creepy, spooky, something's creeping up on you. When he breaks into Carswell's house later in the film, I forget why, but he he breaks in at night and there's the cat that he has a fight with. Yes. And then he runs out and, and Carswell says, don't go through the woods. So he goes through the woods and there's this scene where like these steps happen in the soil like footsteps almost but it's invisible that i always get shivers of that scene i think that is the coolest scary but you don't see the demon scene do you have another one that you don't see the demon but it's really good you know i i thought no i mean no that one was really good I really enjoyed the scene when he goes to Carswell's house. He's the clown and he's with his kids and they're out in the country. And then he's kind of like, hey, like trying to almost prove this stuff is real. And then that windstorm, mm. that, just, that big storm kind of happens. It's the same thing where we're not seeing anything. Nothing popped out. Nothing jumped out. But it was just kind of the buildup for that. Like they did a really good job with that. It was like a buildup of like, he's trying to let this guy know this is totally real. Because of course it's the American guy who comes over and he's like, <laughs> I know everything. And all scientists are from Missouri. They need to be show me. And I, I, I wrote that one down. I, I had to laugh. I was like, oh my gosh. So yeah, you know, that was like my favorite line of the movie. But no, that was a good scene because it just like, it kind of led into like, this is a cult that believes in the supernatural powers of things. And so it's not just like they summons this demon who gets to like feed on the people. They're summonsing everything. Yeah. So I, I liked that. And the I, seance scene was good too. Oh, that's a great one to talk about. Because obviously nowadays, you and I grew up, we've seen so many seance scenes. We've seen mm-hmm. seance scenes that are spoofs of seance scenes, seance scenes right. and like <laughs> scary movie joke of movies. So. Right. In terms of the seance scene, what do you think they did well? And do you think there was anything that was kind of like a bit lame? In in any old movie, the overacting of things gets me. So it kind of <laughs> makes it a little bit more camp. Not in a bad way, but like it's just that's how it was. It was very theatrical, right? It wasn't like where like everyone has to hear the same volume and everything. Make sure everyone in the audience can understand exactly what you said. To like now it's like more realistic where it's like if you're around a table, you're not shouting. You're not like proclaiming something grand because like you're right across the table from each other. <laughs> no, I thought, I mean, I thought the seance scene was great. I mean, the guy who was the medium just did an excellent job. And it was just like, he even kind of tuned his voice a little bit more. Like it was just, it was just, it was just really, I thought it was really well done. I mean, turning the lights on at the end of the seance scene and then they have like, <laughs> oh my God, you almost killed him. I'm like, okay, like that's, that's yeah. I didn't know there was massive rules to uh, mediums. 
Um, I, I do watch the Long Island medium from time to time, and she does it in the light a lot of times. So I'm not sure if that's an English thing versus an American thing. But no, I thought that scene was really good, too, though. I always love seances because you can do, that's another good example of you can do so much with suggestion. You're basically watching people sit around a table. And and in this particular scene, it's not like stuff floats around. It's all done with voices right. and the guy's voice. Right. But it, it feels creepy, even though you're just watching people have basically a chat around a table. I thought it was so good. But you totally, they make you believe like he has, you know, become that the, the medium and was talking to her like they did a really good job of like i mean i don't know how much i believe in mediums in real life i'm sure some people are more sensitive to worlds out there i mean i, I want to believe that that's the case but if you were watching it and you've you know it was my first time watching it so this guy the the character dies in the first what 10 minutes five minutes yeah. of the movie so for him to come back i'm like that could have been the same actor for all i know because i mean it's kind of sounded like him and, and you knew who he was right away without too much explanation yeah, well, what, what they did, I thought, was really clever. They did voice dubbing. So it is the actor's voice. And I think the actor who oh, plays well, the medium sitting there, <laughs> oh, they'd lined it up like so perfectly that Perfect. it looks like it's coming out of his mouth. You would you would believe that it was just an impression rather than voice I dubbing. thought it was an impression. And I was actually really impressed with him doing that impression. So, yeah, that makes sense. Those were definitely creepy scenes. Like, I mean, it's just that medium scene was creepy. The, your footsteps in the in the woods was creepy. I also like so we, this is London Horror Movie Club. We talk about movies that are based in London. You know, obviously, I don't think this was a movie that London was a character necessarily. Mm. It just it, it it brings the divide of like out of towner coming to town, so it's the American, and then you have like the Indian doctor, yeah. um, who just happens to be like every once in a while, like I believe in this, and then like very cryptically, and then like, he doesn't get shown again for thirty minutes, but <laughs> yeah. um. They, they, you know, they make sure to throw in Stonehenge. Like, I don't, I'm not sure why they went to Stonehenge. That scene seemed to be like, we just have to make sure they know we're in England. No, it's right? true. Yeah, he decides he's going to drive what is essentially two hours to Stonehenge to like think. <laughs> <laughs> right. It's a good thinking spot. Good thinking spot. Yeah, I didn't understand that part of like there was things, but then I was like, well, they're in England, so like for Americans you're watching a movie and you know i looked it up just on imdb and wikipedia but for america that movie was designed to be the second part of a double feature yeah. so you go to the drive-thrus you're watching and that's why it, they changed the name to curse of the demon and they actually shrunk it by 15 minutes in america so that they could do the double features both of them had to be under an hour and a half long so you have basically a three-hour time frame at the drive-ins so like every once in a while they would do this little thing where it's like we're in England. They had a scene where he gets out of the car and he's going to the British Museum, but it's like far away. Like it doesn't make any sense why the car would park where it was and have him <laughs> walk, but you're seeing the British Museum. So I like looked it up at that. I paused the movie. I looked at the British Museum. I'm like, no, that's the British Museum. So like, it's, you know, they make sure that you're in, you're in England, you're in London. Actually, that's something I loved that scene because the, the round reading room that they go into. So for anyone who hasn't seen the movie, um, he needs to do research and he goes to the British Museum, which at the time had the British Library in it, in this really beautiful round reading room. And that's actually the room that they use in the film. Is it? Okay. Yeah, they, it's in 1997, they closed it down. And it's a real shame, actually, because it was an amazing room. And so now it's just a museum space. But I really like the shot that they have of that. They do it like almost from above. So you see the roundness of the reading room. Mm -hmm. I liked that it kind of felt like Stonehenge. 
it looks kind of it's got these weird circular things with the desks because they start the movie with this scene of Stonehenge and they go you know oh since the beginning of time we believe in evil things and they're real and then you see that shot and I was like oh cool so it's kind of like Stonehenge in London but then it gets ruined when he does go to Stonehenge and so then you're like oh well then why did you need the reading room no I kind of like it more now because maybe 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 it does piece it together because he goes to Stonehenge after the reading room scene I almost need to go back and just like fast forward to that scene and see if I'm seeing it the same way, because then it's maybe they all tie into like, because I've I in passing, you know, you've heard like Stonehenge was used by was it Wiccas, Wiccas or like yeah, the religion Druids. of Druids. That's what it was, not Wiccas. Sorry, I think the not a sophomore, also use it. not a sophomore, girl, not a sophomore girl at a liberal arts college, like trying <laughs> to explore different uh, religions and faiths. No, like Druids. Got it. Yeah. Sorry. <laughs> Yeah, no, I want to go back and see that because that then that would I guess that would tie it in. Like I like this the, the business card that he gave him, where it's like yeah. you're, you're basically like here's your time frame of when you have to live. No one else can see it but him. Like I like the scene of him walking away, where it's kind of uh, they try to make it. It's very 1950s, but it, the effects that they did was like him kind of walking down this long hallway, you know, and like just with the light. Of the there, there was just really cool things in there where the movie kept me wanting to know what's going to happen next, which is always a plus in any movie. I did not want to pick up my phone ever in the movie, which is also a plus. Um, I only did what I would pause it and look up things about the movie, the actors, the, you know, just different things I saw. But yeah, and, and it was just creepy enough. I wouldn't say I was scared ever in the movie. And I wasn't scared for the actors ever. I mean, it wasn't an overlying like fear there, but it definitely told a good story and it followed it through to the end. And it amped up their, the actors amped up their fear. I mean, as he started to believe it, you know, and you could kind of see that anticipation and that everything kind of just amped up a little bit more. So like it made the movie really well and really fun to watch. One of the things I'd say is it's kind of a little long if you're used to now horror movies. It has a lot of pauses with it. But I think they timed really well how often something really creepy would happen. So you have the visit to Carswell and then you have so you have the library, then you have the visit to Carswell. Then there's a little bit of like a low period. Then he visits the family of one of the cult members and that's creepy. But then there's like another <laughs> lull and then he, he brings the guy out of psychiatry and he like jumps out of a window. It keeps growing really, really well. Uh, do you think then that it would work as if you remade it now because you could keep the structure but just maybe tighten it and make it more like real i think if you made it now 100 it would be it might not be a super popular like hey it broke all these records but i mean i think i would watch it and i think people would enjoy it i think it would be a theater stay movie like you would it would be in the theater people would go see it especially if you got the right cast yeah oh god because in my head i was thinking oh this is a don draper does uh you know it just kind of had that feel that 1950s so like i was thinking him but actually you know who would be really good um and i don't maybe you disagree but since it's a movie podcast let's just uh throw out possible uh leads here i kept thinking don chato would be the best american to go over there as a psychiatrist he's a little older now oh cool so like I could just see him because in his movies he's he questions a lot or he's always kind of one of the smarter guys in the room yeah. So he'd be a really good Dr. Holden. And he'd be, he'd also bring like a little bit more of a, a sarcastic edge. Dana, Dana Andrews kind of a good boy. Mm-hmm. Whereas I think it'd be nice. You could have a little barbs, a little poke back, which would be good. Yep. 100%. Yep. 100%. You could do that. Um, you, show me state line really well. 
Yes, yes, he could. Now, saying that, though, you know, watching any kind of older movie is a really good time capsule for the time period. I don't know if Dr. Kumar could be Dr. Kumar anymore. I think it's smart that they point out that a lot of these legends aren't just Western, like it's not just European stuff. So I like the idea right. of spreading that out. But maybe you're maybe you're right. Maybe he'd have to be like more of a character because they do just sort of throw him in there and then take him back, don't they? And he's and he's character of like that of a you know of, of a colonized Britain. So like and maybe it's different for me because I'm, I'm not. But he was just like he was dressed a certain way the he, way he, he was talked cliche. was a certain way right it cliche but yeah no i think you could definitely do it and i and i did notice that he was there to basically say this isn't just the west world we believe in all of this stuff and if you could actually do more with a movie now i think they were going he was going to a conference mm-hmm. to talk about to dispel this this cult and it was an international conference and they mentioned it i think one time in the movie and i would actually like to see more of a scene set, and I know they probably did it for budget reasons and just restrictions and that they had at the time, but you could actually do the conference where you're now talking to other people from different places. Yeah. And you, you can kind of build up almost that character of like, this is what they're following. Now, everyone's here to talk about this because we all know this demon. We all know this thing. And then Don Chato could be like, well, I'm from Missouri. Exactly. Show me. I don't care if it's a Shinto thing and an Urdu thing. It's not an American thing. Exactly. Like in America, we're not scared of demons. Actually, oh, no, yeah, it was that a- would be so cool because you're right. They didn't play up enough that it is like they mm-hmm. mention it, but they didn't play up enough that the point is that it's not that there's a Christian or a Shinto or whatever devil. It's we all know that there is an evil, an ancient mm-hmm. evil in the world. It was, and that's what I. That's why I think that that movie works so well is because the story was so good. You could remake that story, and it would it would still be just as popular because I think it wasn't actually a, a pretty popular movie. I had never heard of it, but there did some rankings on it. Some people, I, you know, I've not heard of, but usually it's a it's kind of a top fifty horror film. And Martin Scorsese, who I don't know anybody who doesn't like Martin Scorsese in general, he has his number eleven horror film of yeah. all time. He has several London horror films on his list. I I love I love it. But yeah, he loved Curse the Demon. I was going to ask you, can, do you think you can kind of see that at all in his film? Mm. So of the Martin Scorsese films that I like, enjoy, watch are mafia movies. Mm-hmm. So it doesn't really translate. Yeah. I mean, I mean, he's just so well known for those. I mean, Goodfellas yeah. is is an all-time classic and he did what he did the irishman and i mean stuff like that but i don't see it i mean you might be said do you see it do you see a creepiness no, in any of his flicks? i i think he does well like um good falls is a good one you have a lot of these scenes where there's a lot of creepy tension somebody isn't necessarily beating the crap out of someone but the way they're looking at you the way the screen is holding on to things the way they've cut to stuff you're like oh my God, what's happening? It's very different than this one, very different than Jack Turner, but it's that I appreciate a lot of his mob films because they aren't pure action. Sometimes it's like this tension buildup. And I think that's what I meant. 100%. Yeah. Oh yeah. No, then I guess I can because there's a scene, now we're not talking about this movie, but I'm going to go to Goodfellas. If anyone's seen it, they do the hijacking at Kennedy Airport and then they've kind of been shunned from the group and- Robert De Niro's character, uh, Jimmy, is trying to get Henry's wife to come back here. He's basically going to beat her up, kill her, do something. Because he's like, they're trying to get rid of all the witnesses of this crime. And he's down this long hallway. He's like, no, it's just back here. It makes no sense. He's gonna... But it's like the tension in that scene is huge. Like, you're like, 
don't go back there. Like the whole yeah. time, like you're like, don't go back there. But then she kind of realizes it too. And then she starts walking away real quick and he never gets too close. He wants her to come back. Oh, and yeah. she's like, oh, I'm in trouble now. So yeah, maybe they, I could see where he's trying to use that, that tension. Now that might also just be like, we have to build up suspense here, but maybe with him being a fan of horror movies in general, it kind of gravitated into his brain of like that's a really good part of a horror movie it's not the kills it's not the blood it's it's that anticipation and it's that terror kind of ramping up just a little bit at a time yeah you're right it's a sort of universal good thing about horror films that's a good point and i do wanted to ask was there any rhyme or reason for you when watching night of demons you watched rewatched it again recently why the airplane was important Okay, yes and no. Not to the film. Not at all to the film. Okay. They had just rebuilt Heathrow, and Heathrow was this fancy new airport. And so they wanted (laughs) wanted to show it off. (laughs) That is so great. Yeah, so he has to, like, have the woman behind him writing who he meets later in the airplane, and he's pissed off at her, just so they could show off a clip of Heathrow Airport. That's great. Well, see, and I was like, okay, well, he's trying to sleep. She's got her light on. He has a newspaper over his head, and it has an article about him coming to London. Yeah. Which is why you know he's going to an international conference. You know, a a esteemed American psychoanalyst or psychiatrist coming to speak at an international conference on... I think it was a paranormal, something like that. Paranormal, yeah, exactly. These are big words for me. You, you know that. Um, but uh, yeah, it's like I knew that from that. But I was like, other than that, like introducing characters, eh, yeah, you could have done that in the hotel when he meets the other doctors. But it makes total sense that they were like, hey guys, we got another, we got another airport, and uh, let's show it off. Yeah, we got phone booths. We've got uh, ticket agents. <laughs> I love the way they chose. The, so the London choices in this film are great because like Heathrow is shoehorned in, totally unnecessary to mm-hmm. the film, and then. This doctor, who I'm sure is super famous, is staying at a suite in the Savoy. He's not at like a normal hotel. He's at the Savoy. He is at the classiest. And he's got this huge living room that he's hanging out with his other professors in. I lecture. No, you stay at the Premier Inn and you share a room with the other people going to the (laughs) conference with you. (laughs) So you don't get you don't get the suites at the highest end hotels in the world? I'm sure the you know Bill Clinton lecture tour does, but the professor of art history gets them. <laughs> well, exactly. So the uh, a, psych- a psychiatrist of who studies paranormal from America would not come over and get the Savoy. No, he's probably not that well funded. I don't think. No. <laughs> and if and if he is, I needed to study harder because. <laughs> and I needed there a was all subjects. <laughs> <laughs> right. <laughs> But that's good, though, because, you know, it just they needed a room to put three people in. They needed the space. They needed to show London because it, it was it, they wanted to make sure. It, obviously, they want to make sure it was London because there's enough of it with the British Museum, Stonehenge. Uh, now you're saying I didn't know the Savoy. Now, obviously, they filmed it in, in England, but they also use stage. Like, I mean, you could tell oh, there's yeah. a stage because they weren't really in the I mean, I'm assuming they weren't in the Savoy for real, but. but <laughs> no, it's uh, just the exterior. <laughs> Right. So, but no, it was, I mean, it was, it was a good uh, classic film, London film. I actually did laugh out loud at one scene and only because I'm really nerdy and I thought this the same way, but he's with Joanna in his hotel room and it's kind of when they first meet and he's like, oh, do you need a drink? It's really cold outside. And then her being from England was like, 
no, it's actually kind of warm today. Yeah. Like, what? What? <laughs> that was just like, <laughs> just made me laugh because, like, even at nighttime in England, I was like, oh, I'm gonna uh, throw throw a sweater on. Like, it's, you know, it's not a uh, ninety. Yeah. So <laughs> yeah, it just it just was like they made you know it was it was just funny in that in, the, in that sense to me, but nothing yeah. to do with the movie, I guess, but. I think they throughout had little jibes at him being American. Like at the start, the news people are just like, you have to be nice to our ghosts, us English like our ghosts. And then yes. he does the show me state thing. And there's something in the library as well. Like, oh, he gives him the calling card for Carswell because there's that writing on it that says two weeks allowed. Right. And he shows the guy and the, the British guy's looking at him is like, it's a calling card, sir. <laughs> like, Right. Yeah. Like you dumb American. Yeah. Like <laughs> we had these things called business cards and... <laughs> yeah and that makes sense that's fine you know they're, they're, it's not not a problem at all but yes they definitely had to make you know he he, but he was and he was he played a good i mean it was good it was it definitely holds up i would recommend anybody that hasn't seen it that's looking for just something a little bit different i would recommend watching it i enjoyed it so speaking of the card that he gets what would you do if you got a little card that said you have two weeks left Oh, in that case, I would have been like, yeah, okay, cool. I wouldn't have shown it to anybody and been like, what do you think of this? It's a business card, sir. Like, or it's a calling card, sir. I would have been like, all right, cool. Thanks, man. Like, the whole thing to me was just like crazy man comes up to me, knows who I am. And like, now that's, little, but I'm famous, like, because I was in the paper, you know? So like, obviously someone knows who I am and my picture was there. I would have completely disregarded the entire thing. Even if I was there. And if I was going and I don't know anybody else that lives over there or any of the people that I met when I was there and like I had been working with them and they they passed away in a tragic car accident like the guy did in the movie, mm-hmm. I would not have pieced it together like, oh, my God, I'm next. I have two weeks. <laughs> and remember, you're talking to a guy who is very first time to London on the second day. He said, I'm going to a pub. I'm sitting outside. I'm doing the English thing. And a homeless guy. Walks up to us, sits at the table with me and my wife, and talks about the dead people that are buried in Regent's Park. And Lauren, my wife, is looking at me like, why do crazy people only come and talk to you? He just sat down. He's just rambling on about how the queen buries dead people in Regent's Park. She doesn't, by the way. Please don't turn our podcast off. (laughs) She doesn't. It was a guy who was... Obviously, you know, what you guys, I guess in England, you call it living rough. Like he was definitely uh, lives on the streets. He was homeless. And I'm fine talking with whoever, like, come and talk to me. As long as you're not like threatening me or like really bothering me. We were just sitting down having a, having a pint, you know, feeling very English. I think I probably even had my like scully cap on, my paper boy hat, whatever we call them, <laughs> my Peaky Blinders hat on. I was like feeling the, feeling the vibe. And then he's like, there's dead people in the woods over there. And the park. I'm like, <laughs> Oh, tell me more. Like, I, so if I got a business card from somebody, I would have probably been like, okay, that guy's kind of crazy. Yeah, fair enough. I gotta say, I I think I would be then like paranoid looking for stuff. You know how he has later in the thing, he's, his diary, all the pages are flipped out. I mm. would take it to a whole separate level of paranoid. I would like two pages would stick together in my diary and I'd be like, oh my God, it's a sign. Oh. <laughs> I am hyper paranoid. So I would, any of it, even the tiniest thing, like I trip on the sidewalk and I'd be like, oh my God, I'm going to fall from a building. And that's what it Oh, means. interesting. So you would then... You'd also be a very big voodoo person then. Oh, yeah, yeah. Because I, it's just like that that suggestive thought would then you would manifest something happening out of that 
just someone saying something to you. Exactly. I am the horror story where nothing would have happened if no one said anything. But because you said something, I like panicked so much that I fell in front of a bus because I was running away from something that wasn't there. Like that kind of person. Interesting. Interesting. I, you know, I'll tell you a quick story that has nothing, kind of what we're talking about, but not about the movie. In high school, as one does, I got into a disagreement with a person and, um, and his girlfriend was from Haiti, Dominican Republic, somewhere around there. And she was very mad at me. She was in the chemistry class for being mad at her, to, for having a disagreement with her boyfriend. And she was going to put a root on me, which is a, they had hair of some sort. And she was like, I'm going to put a root on you and you're going to get really sick. And I'm still alive. I, 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 um, I, now I think I did have like that tonsillectomy tonsillitis thing if you remember when i was like out of school lost like 40 pounds didn't go to school for three weeks that was like a year later maybe it takes a year for roots to work (laughs) maybe that was it but i never put two and two together like i'm talking about now i was like oh wait i did get really really sick like really sick for like that senior year but i was like huh that i don't think that had anything to do with it i just never i was like like, I, I don't know what else to tell you. The bad <laughs> thing is, you've it. now convinced me that that's why you had such horrible tonsillitis. <laughs> I don't <laughs> think that had anything bad. to do with it. You were so, so, so sick. Like I was just born defective. Like, there's a difference. <laughs> <laughs> so but I yeah, was no. going to ask if you believed in curses, but clearly not. You're so good. I do believe in ghosts and I think it's more because I want to believe in ghosts or I believe in spirits in some way. Do I believe that there's someone watching over me, protecting me? No. Do I believe that a place can have, when you go to like these old, um, you know, mental, like in America, we don't have, I don't know if you guys still do in England, but we don't have the uh, psych wards and the, men- not the, not the psych wards, but like for the criminally insane where they just like put all the people that have mental issues in a hospital for the rest of their lives. We don't really have those anymore. They kind of got closed down in the seventies and eighties. Where was I going with that now? Like, Oh yeah. So like, I can believe that those places harbor an energy that's negative because the life of so many people were so negative and so hard there. So like, I do believe in like, you know, that spirituality of it, but curses. Yeah. I don't know if I really believe in curses. I mean, so like, in that sense, if someone walked up to me, and even if that's what I was doing for a living, I don't know if I would put two and two together. I would just be like, okay, that guy's crazy. That's basically Dana Andrews' answer. I was say, would I be smart enough to like be like, oh God, it's two hours until time, and then I'm <laughs> like, I believe you, and I got to go find him and then like trick him into taking you know the yeah. thing back. But I thought they did the train scene not when he not when Carswell dies, but right before where Holden's trying to track him down and trying to figure out a way to hand so him back. So good, so good, and the fact that like he's just handing him anything and everything, yeah. and he won't take any of it. But then he has the other guys that come in to like get him off. Of, like we've been watching you need to go. Hey, you know. Dr. Holden, you've been really, you know, or you're very accusatory of him. And then he's like, oh, I must go. I have to get off on this train stop. And then now he's rushed so he can slip the thing in. Like, yeah, it was very well done. It was good. They send up so you know you know that he's going to be trying to do this throughout mm-hmm. the scene. And so every time he hands something, you're like, yeah. And Carswell does yep. it in a convincing way where he's like, oh, right. I have to catch myself. And then that look on his face where he's like, oh, God. As soon as he touched, he grabbed the coat and Colton wasn't touching it anymore. He, he he just was like, like white. You know, he's just like, oh, God. Yep. Yeah. It was good. No, it was a great scene. Great scene. 
Uh, if they if they ever do remake this, they have to keep that scene. I'm sure there's other things, elements you could add, but I think that's beautiful already. It was great. Oh, it was you got to keep it pretty much exact. Not it doesn't have to be word for word the same, but you got to keep that. Here's your matches back. I don't need those anymore. Here's your Good. book. No, nah, I found it here. Like, no, you didn't, dude. Like, <laughs> he was making sure, like, I'm not taking anything from you. And then he's like trying to get the hell out of there before 10 o'clock. And it's like, nope, gotcha. So one of the things that I often talk about with one of my girlfriends, Steph, she doesn't like horror films. She's my best friend okay. and she absolutely hates them. But her son's getting into them. And I always tell her, try the black and white movies if you're worried, because he's only 11 and she's worried about him getting too scared. Do you think this would be too scared? Because you've had kids who were 11, so you'd know much better than I would. Do you think this is I don't think it'd be too scary. No. It'd be interesting. I'd actually be interested to see what her, like, an 11-year-old would think, because I don't know if at 11 I would be able to sit through a black and white movie. It it ages it. I mean, my kids are 13 and 16, and they don't want to watch stuff from the 80s. Oh, no. Right. Oh, man. But if you think about it, when I was growing up in the 80s, the 50s was the same time frame spatially that the 80s is now for them. Yeah, but we we watched Hitchcock, for example. Some some Oh, have have we? Did you not? Because Dad always made us watch Hitchcock. Did you I have never that? one time seen an Alfred Hitchcock movie. I know of Alfred Hitchcock. I know what movies he makes. I don't like birds in general, so I'll never watch them. <laughs> I've seen pieces of Hitchcock movies. I've never sat down from the beginning, the end of a Hitchcock movie. You're kidding. I watched, wild. I watched the remake of Psycho with Anne Heche and Vince Vaughn, oh, no. only because I I want to say, my memory might be wrong here, it was at the same time I was working in a movie theater, and so I stayed and watched it after hours, like when you build the film and you watch it late at night. That would be the only time, and I was like, oh my god, this is just awful. But I mean, <laughs> but I think if I went back now and watched, but I don't like Anne Heche, and I was like, I was ready for Vince Vaughn to be Vince Vaughn from Swingers, and then he's, you know, Norman Bates, so no, I need to go back and watch it. And I think this movie kind of opened up my eyes to like going back and watching older films because I think I'm old enough now where like the story means more than the aesthetics of it. Yeah, that is the thing with this film. This is probably not an R-rated film. I mean, it has scary moments, but it's it's a good horror idea. Yeah, no, I think so. I agree. And I think you should, yeah, Steph could have her, her son watch this or her child watch this and... uh yeah. Awesome. Because I, I, well, it's one of my favorites and I always want to recommend it, but I never know with that demon. Because I, I don't have, for the listeners out there, I don't have kids. So I have no idea what's age appropriate for children. <laughs> and especially because, like, I was watching Terminator when you were watching Terminator. So I would have been like three. So I have no. <laughs> we are the worst case subjects for what is kid friendly. Yeah. But are also our parents, for whatever reasons, or our dad was not like, you can't watch that. There were certain things he said you can't watch, but it wasn't, they weren't bad. It was like, we weren't watching like the movie Colors and about gangs and stuff. But at the same time, we could watch, you were watching Terminator at three. I remember watching Full Metal Jacket really early on in life. That's not necessarily a movie. I mean, it's got murder and war and suicide. And like, I mean, it's got a lot of stuff like heavy subjects in there. Yeah. But then it's like, oh, Colors, you want to watch cops like in LA? Like, no, 
that that you can't watch that's that. So it's like, who knows? <laughs> who knows? No, I I always say this to people. Are just like, oh well, when did you first start watching horror movies? And I'm like, I think always. I'm pretty sure at some point a horror movie was on in the background. They're just always on. It's fine. <laughs> I had a babysitter who lived in down the road from us, where you know, dad and mom would would leave, and they'd have him come over. And his name was Paul. And everybody would come over when Paul was there because he didn't care what we watched. And he let us watch Nightmare on Elm Street, still the scariest movie to this day, the first Nightmare on Elm Street, because it was the first movie that I remember sitting and watching and being like, what the hell did I just watch? I'm never going to sleep again. I'd say that's a really bad one for a young kid because the dream world feels so real when you're a kid. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, no, it was great. I mean, it's great. I still love it to this day. Caitlin watched it. I let her watch it because she's into horror films. And she was like, yeah, okay. Heartbreaking. But these I mean, kids are more, they see different things. Yes. I mean, nowadays it's like what's on TV is like way different. So, you know, Sir Steph, I would recommend, I mentioned it earlier in the movie, Babadook. Yeah, that's a really good one. That is a great. It's scary. It kind of messes with your mind. But at the same time, if you go in there kind of skeptical, as kids can be skeptical about things, and that wasn't scary. There was no monsters. Like monsters might be scary to them. Like, it, I mean, there's a drawing of a monster, but there's not like, a real you monster. Know, the Babadook yeah. coming around doing her thing. So <laughs> I keep trying to recommend to her horror movies, and she's just like, nope, 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 nope. And I'll even recommend to her stuff that's not that, that I, you or I, who do watch horror movies. So to be fair, wouldn't necessarily think are that scary. And she's just like, right. no, 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 I'm fine. <laughs> and that's true. Like I, we, we, you and I both are pretty desensitized. I mean, yeah. when you start watching movies and you go down rabbit holes of movies and directors. You, you, you've seen a lot, like we've seen a ton. And so like, when you say, oh, you should watch this, this isn't bad. Well, that might've been our 40th movie we watched. Desensitized for 39 of them. And it's like, yeah, no, it's, it's, it didn't start off that way. But rounding it back to what you said Sorry, earlier, yes. I think that show, no, no, no. I think it shows that this is a good movie because I didn't see it until I was in my 20s and and you're seeing it now. And having us watched at hundreds of horror movies by now, mm-hmm. it's still a good movie. So, so it's nice when you have those moments because I do watch some horror movies from, I love Hammer. They're camp and amazing and wonderful. I, I really do love Hammer films, but I'm never scared watching a Hammer film. You know, you pop in mm-hmm. Dracula and you want to see, oh, they need a new way for him to die. So he's going to run through a thistle bush and because it's the holy bush that was on christ's head it's gonna Mm. kill him and so death by thistle bush and you're like how hilarious it's not scary (laughs) which is why this movie night of the demon is so good because it's it's enough of your imagination but the story is good enough to hold up through everything and it's not basing it on dracula it's not basing it on it's about a demon, but it's not basing it on the. It's the demon isn't central to it. Yeah, that's right. True. I mean, it's yeah. The demon is there, but it's yeah. It's it's just it's the thought of like this. The whole madness, the cult is summoning evil, and the demon is just like the like the personification of evil, or like the 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 physical. No, you're right. It's like because because he he calls on the wind in another scene, so it's like one of the examples, one of the manifestations of evil happens to be the demon. That's something I I hadn't asked you about. What do you think of Carswell as a villain? Because he's such a nice guy. He's he's like a normalish guy. Well, those are the best bad guys. Like he wasn't like a serial killer. 
like I, I guess he was. I mean, like by definition, like he was. But like he's just this guy. He's got his grandkids. He's got his like family because they show that scene where he's like oh, doing he's magic the show. Kids, yeah. yeah. Oh, oh, the local kids. Like he's just a normal guy. That but he his beliefs, his religion, for lack of a better word, is like this cult, this demon, and and he believes in this almost like a, a satanic worshiper. Would I want to be friends with him? No, but like, yeah, no, it was, it makes it more creepy to me because it's like, here's this guy who's kind of upstanding. People know who he is. Yeah. He's not like just a hidden shut in, like, uh, you know, sitting in his apartment waiting to kill somebody. Like he's out there, he's doing things. He's a doctor. Yeah. No, I thought it made it more, a little more creepy. Yeah. Which actually you're right. That is creepy. Cause that's, that's what's scary in real life. Isn't it? The idea yep. that just like the normal neighbor could be yep. putting a curse on you or killing you or whatever. And not like the burbs where you know that that's the uh, <laughs> Kleepak, Kleep, whatever his name is. Yeah, like you're not like, that guy's bad. Like, look at how evil everything looks. Like, no, just like the guy who's like taking his trash cans out, like going to work. You see him, he's like, hey, how's it going? Like, uh, crazy weather we've got there. And then he's like, oh, you don't like my cult? Here's this, hey, here's this little pamphlet. You should look at it. Now I got a parchment that's going to kill me in two weeks. <laughs> Yeah, it's amazing, by the way, that you brought up the burbs because there's a little Easter egg in the burbs in the basement, in that guy's basement, the creepy neighbor's basement. He has a book that's on witchcraft or satanic magic or something. And the author is Julian Carswell, which is a reference to this film. Oh, that's really cool. Yeah. That is the coolest way to end this because you accidentally brought it perfectly around. Watch both. Watch the burbs. I know burbs is in the London Horror the burbs is great too watch the burbs watch curse of the demon these are awesome films. watch curse of the demon you will be pleasantly surprised at how much you enjoy it I, it is it is only if you're in america listening to this and you watch it it's only 88 minutes if you're in england listening it's to 92 this, minutes it's 92 minutes you can't go wrong and it was an entertaining film now that leads us to next time. As you you sort of hinted, we have an awesome interview, our first interview, which is with an actor and mm -hmm. horror film director, Tony Martin. If you guys know Libra, which is coming out now, it was at Dark Fest this year. He he's director of that. But you also found a great movie for us to watch. I did. And it kind of comes into when you talked about Alfred Hitchcock. I was uh, searching for Night of the Demon because it was, you know, I wanted to watch it. I wanted to watch it on my big screen. But uh, Frenzy, Alfred Hitchcock uh, movie, Frenzy, it, it takes place in London. And this will be my very first Alfred Hitchcock beginning to the end. I've only seen the trailer because I wanted to make sure it was a true London horror movie. It looks very true London horror movie. Very London. You'll love it. So, um, yeah, I'm looking forward to watching it. So we are going to have a great interview and we're going to talk about Frenzy and I'll see, I guess I'll give you my opinion if uh, Hitchcock is truly terrific or if I'm just like, I still not see what, what it's all about. <laughs> I love it. I'm very excited. And honestly, as well, it's a good one because it's not one of his super well-known ones. So I bet you there's a decent number of listeners who've never heard of Frenzy because it was not, it's not like Psycho. It's not one that won awards right. or anything. Yep. Awesome. I'm looking forward to it. I am looking forward to it. So awesome. Thank you so much, Chris. It is wonderful having you as always. I'm so excited that we have a proper co-host and thank you everyone who's listening. Yes. Thank you. And Chris and I will be back next year for the London Horror Movie Club.